Hello, this is Pastor Galen from the First Nazarene Church in Chicago, and welcome to our podcast. Hey, before we hear the message today, I simply wanted to say that no matter where you're at, we're glad that you're listening today. We hope this message will inspire you, instruct you, and help you grow in your relationship with Jesus. And if you live in the Chicagoland area, maybe this is the first step for you joining us in person sometime. Or if you want to, you can always check out our online live services every Sunday on our website at firstnaz.cc. Thanks again for joining us. Enjoy the message. Well, today uh, we have a special honor of hearing from Dr. David Graves. Uh, He is a general superintendent in the Church of the Nazarene. He's going to be finishing off our Seek and Save series. You can always go back, watch the messages or the podcast, and hear where we've been at together as a church. Uh, This series, Revealing the Heart of God and the Prodigal Son. Seeing how we view others by looking at the story of Zacchaeus. Seeing how we are sent as David went after Mephibosheth. And last week, how are we doing in our own spiritual life. Are we rowing the boats? Are we working to draw near to God so that he will draw near to us? And today I want you to hear just a glimpse of not only what God is doing to seek and save in this local community, but what God is doing around the world. Uh, Dr. Graves is in our church uh, what we call a general superintendent. So it's the highest level of leadership in the denomination uh, of the Church of the Nazarene. There are six general superintendents who preside over world areas. They travel the globe uh, speaking to districts, uh, ordaining new pastors for the work of pastoring local churches. Uh, I'm sitting here like it's my fifth Sunday and a general superintendent is here. What did I do wrong? This is my boss's boss's boss, I think. I don't know. Um, But it is a privilege and honor to be able to hear from a general superintendent. Uh, We are blessed to have him and I know you'll be blessed by his words today. Would you join me in welcoming Dr. David Graves as he comes to share? Well, it is an honor to be here with you today, and we're thankful for your leader, of your new pastor, and he's getting in fifth Sunday, and he's letting someone else preach. That's pretty good, isn't it? Well, this was actually scheduled a long time ago, so thank you for keeping the schedule. Well, we're delighted that you are here today and the chance just to worship the Lord together. I read the story of a ship that was uh, off the coast of San Diego, and the captain of the ship uh, got a little too close at low tide, got stuck on a reef. And they tried everything to get it off that reef, and so they finally called a tugboat. One tugboat didn't do, two didn't do, three different do. They had all these tugboats trying to get it unstuck. And finally, the captain just said, look, thanks for your help. Going back, we'll just be patient and wait for high tide. And you know what happened. High tide came in, lifted that ship off of the reef, and set it free to go. Uh, What a man could not do, God did in raising that ship. It kind of reminds me of what happened to the disciples on the day of Pentecost. In Acts chapter 2, we read about the day of Pentecost. If you have a Bible, you can turn with me there. But let me give you a little background. Jesus has already been crucified. He's already been resurrected. He's already appeared to the disciples on numerous occasions. And yet the disciples were together in the upper room, behind locked doors for fear of the Jews. They were there waiting for the promise that Jesus had made that they would be filled with the Holy Spirit. And at this time, these disciples, they were confused. They were unmotivated. They were fearful. 
you might say they were stuck emotionally and in their ministry. And then Pentecost Sunday happened. We read about it in Acts chapter 2. Would you stand together in honor of God's word? It's on the screen if you can follow along. Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues or languages as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one of them heard them speaking in his own language. Let's pray. Father, in these next moments, would you guide our thoughts? Would you speak to our hearts? We're all in different places in our spiritual journey. And, and I believe that you know who we are and you have a message for each one of us. So uh, would you open our ears to hear your voice and our hearts to receive the truth that you have for us? And may you be honored and glorified in all that's done, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Can you imagine the confusion on the day of Pentecost with Jews from every nation gathered together? I mean, Jerusalem was packed. And when they heard these people speaking in their own language, a crowd gathered together. They were confused. They thought the disciples were drunk. And it was up to Peter to stand up and say, wait a minute, no, we're, we're not drunk. But what has happened is the fulfillment of the prophet Joel and what he said in the coming of the Holy Spirit. And so then Peter preached the message about Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, and about how Jesus came to seek and to save those that were lost. And the scripture tells us at the conclusion of his message, 3,000 people put their faith in Jesus Christ. Now, can you imagine a church going from 120 one day and the next day having 3,000 new believers? A pastor would die with a smile on his face, or die from a heart attack, and the rest of you would go into shock. But that's what happened on the day of Pentecost. And that there was such an excitement, not only on that day when the Holy Spirit came, but there was that continued excitement that happened in the early church. All you have to do is read the book of Acts, and it's chapter after chapter after chapter of the great things that God was doing through the early church and those disciples and the new believers. As I look at this passage of Scripture, I, I see some lessons for us today. Because I believe that one part of the excitement for that early church is they were a people that were fueled by prayer. In fact, if you were to look in Acts chapter 1, it tells us what the disciples were doing as they were waiting. Verse 14 of chapter 1, it says, they were all joined together constantly in prayer. Stop right there. They were praying. They were waiting. They were anticipating. They were waiting for God to do something miraculous in their midst. And I believe that the secret of, of any growing church, any church is making significant impact into their community. One of the key things that I have witnessed around the world is there's always a commitment to prayer. Different countries, different sized congregations, but there's a commitment to prayer. In fact, the largest church in the Church of the Nazarene, you know where it is? 
It's in Cali, Colombia, which was known as the drug capital of the world. And yet the Nazarene church right now has the largest church. They run about 20,000 people on a Sunday. I happened to be there to preach on two occasions. There's seven services on Sunday morning. It's amazing. They have big garage doors at the back of their facility. They open those garage doors and 2,600, 2,700 people come in and fill every chair. No chairs empty. Then when that service is open, over, there's garage doors over here. They open up. These people exit. When they're exiting, they open up the back ones and another 2,600 people come. And that happens all day long. Now, there's a clock for the preacher because if you're five minutes late in one service and there's seven, figure it up. There's a mess going on because you've got this mess of people coming. But do you know what the name of that church is? House of Prayer. They have built their whole church on the power of prayer, of people interceding and praying for lost people. And I believe that not only is every great revival in the history of our world started with prayer, and usually it started with one or two people that were committed to prayer. I believe that if you as a church, if you're going to experience all that God has in mind for you, then pastor, I believe God's going to raise up some prayer warriors in this church. And it could be the, the most unexpected people that you would think of. But I believe that even this morning, in this service, I believe that God wants to lay on some of your hearts, hey, I want to be committed to prayer. I want to pray for lost people. I want to intercede for my neighbors, for my work associates. I want to pray and intercede for the wreck ministry that happens all week long. I want to pray for our preschool families. I want to pray that people will come to know Jesus Christ. And I believe that if God could raise up doesn't have to be 100%, but if God would raise up some of you saying, I'm going to lead the way and praying for a mighty revival to happen in my church, then God could use you and the excitement that would come when, because listen, when we pray, God answers. Do you know that? Do you know that? He does. In fact, he encourages us to come to him. He invites us to come to him. And he says, if you'll seek me, I'll be found. If you knock, the doors will be open. And he wants to use some of you to be the people that God will use to bring a mighty revival to this community, to this church, so that hundreds of people will come to know Jesus Christ. But the second thing that I see, not only were they a people fueled by prayer, Oh, I'll, I'll tell you this later. I told you another story. <laughs> That's Korea, by the way. And, I, I was there, and, and Korea is known for their prayer. Every morning they pray together, and they have early morning prayers. They are committed to prayer. And God's having, uh, this was a picture that was taken a few years ago. I happened to have the privilege of being there in April, and I ordained or eight, 48 new ministers tell you a little sidebar my suitcase never arrived and uh it's a good thing that I'm more Korean size than I am American size 
<clears throat> because uh, our district leader, his suit fit me perfect. So I wore his suit, his shirt, his tie, his shoes. His shoes didn't work quite as well as the suit did. They kind of cut my foot as I was walking back and forth ordaining that many new pastors. But this is what they look like with their traditional dress and their robes, the stalls that they give to them. But they are committed to prayer, and I believe that we're going to see that. But a second thing I think that I see from this passage is they were a people who were caring for one another. If we took the time to go on down to verse 42 of Acts chapter 2, it describes the early church, verses 42 through 46. It says that they ate together. That's always a good thing, isn't it? They ate together. They prayed together, they worshiped together, they sang together, they had all things in common, they gave to everyone as they had need. No wonder there was an excitement in the church because they were truly together, loving one another, just as Jesus commanded us to do. Here in John chapter 13, look at this. Jesus said, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You get, you get what he's trying to say? He's saying, hey, if you're going to be a representation of me, if you're going to be the church I want you to be, then a key part of that is that we need to love one another. We need to care for one another. And that's what Jesus has commanded us. Ten times in the New Testament, we are told, love one another. Now, let me explain this to you. I believe that we are to love one another inside the church. Here, we are to love one another in the church. We are to pray for one another. We are to care about one another. We are to bear each other's burdens. We are to be honest and open and opening our hearts with one another. We are to minister to one another. And I'd like to encourage you to be in the life groups that you have, the booklet right there. Man, as I was looking through there, there's all kinds of things you can be a part of. So why do you offer so many things? Well, because people aren't busy. There's nothing to do. TV's terrible. No, why do, we do, why do you do that as a church? Now, those other things may be true, but why do we do that as a church? Because it's in those life groups that you share life with one another, that you share what's going on in your life, your spiritual journey, where you can pray for one another, where you can develop friendships and relationships. So if you're not part of one of these life groups, let me encourage is this the last Sunday? Hey, this is the Sunday. It's known tomorrow. You need to do it today before you leave. Because that's where you'll really get to know and journey with other people inside the church. We need that. It needs to be more than just I come in one hour and I leave and I don't know who's in that church and I'd never involved in anything. No. If you really to really enjoy the blessing of being a part of the church, get a part, be a part of one of the life groups. Amen? Now, we're to love one another inside the church. You know what I'm going to say next? We're to love one another outside the church. In other words, what we have received from Jesus, we just don't keep it to ourselves. We are to share that with others outside the church. 
We are to love our neighbors. We are to love those that we work with. We are to love people who do not know Jesus Christ. The series that you've been in is, is, is the seek and the save. And I love the binoculars things because I, I pray, that, pray that God will give you eyes to see people. You know, they're all around you. There are people's lives that are messed up. There are, are burdens that they are carrying. There are situations that they're dealing with. And they need to know Jesus Christ. But you know what? They will not know him unless someone like you actually reach out to them and take an interest in their lives and begin to pray for them and intercede for them that they can come to know Jesus because of their relationship with you. In other words, we need to love people enough that we are willing to build a bridge of friendship to them and take an interest in their lives and pray for them. And may they see Jesus through us. Isn't that great to think that Jesus living in us through the power of his Holy Spirit, that Jesus living in us, that he could literally draw someone to himself because of our love and our friendship with someone else. See, that's how it works in the church. And he wants us to be a part of that, of caring for one another, loving one another, loving one another inside the church, absolutely, but also being involved in loving people outside the church. But let me give you a third thing that we need to be doing. Not only loving inside the church, loving outside the church, but we are called as his disciples to make disciples in the whole world. We are to love and care about people that we might never meet this side of heaven. We are to have a love for the nations and the lost people around the world that have never come to know Jesus Christ. And I'm so thankful that in the Church of the Nazarene, that's been an emphasis of ours even before we became a denomination. We were sending missionaries to tell others about Jesus Christ. And now we're in 164 world areas officially, unofficially we're in more than that, but officially we're in 164 world areas. Over 2.6, almost 2.7 million members, over 30,000 local congregations. And it all started over 100 years ago with some people that cared about lost people in Africa, in India, in Bangladesh, and around the world. A few years ago, I happened to be in one of those world areas. It's one of the most primitive countries in the world. It's Papua New Guinea. It's in Indonesia, an island country. And the Church of the Nazarene sent missionaries there long ago. And because of that, that whole country has been changed. I had the privilege of being there for a district assembly and had the privilege of ordaining uh, 30 new pastors. Can you find me in the picture? I know it's a little smaller, but can you see me? Where am I? I can't see you in there. Hey, how about the third row up on the left-hand side? You see my face in there? Shake your head or something, or I'll keep explaining. I'll climb up there. Here, let me just tell you. It's right here. <laughs> right here I am. And these are all new pastors in Papua New Guinea. I happen to be there for the 50th anniversary of our, our college and stuff. And that was on Saturday, the ordination service. Then on Sunday, 
they gathered from, they dismissed all their local churches and they all came together for a great big worship service. It was amazing. They were under these two big tents. It started out where they had nice rows and aisles, but as the people gathered in, can you see any aisle there? And you won't see any aisle there. They just sat wherever they could find a place to sit. They were sitting on the platform. And then outside the tents, you can see in the background, all as far as I could see, there were people. A lot of them were under umbrellas because the sun was rather hot and multicolored umbrellas. And then they were gathered underneath this tree. There must have been 500 people underneath this tree looking from a distance. But they estimate between eight and 9,000 people were there on that Sunday morning for that service. I was back for the anniversary of the hospital. Our hospital there is, is probably the finest hospital in the whole country. And it's a provincial hospital now, which means the government actually helps pay for some of the operations of that for it to be a training place as well. And as I was there, they have not only a hospital, they also have a nursing school. Um, almost all the nurses in Papua New Guinea have been trained at the Nazarene Nursing School. We have a teacher's college. Most of the teachers have been trained there. We have a Bible college, our pastors. Our nursing students, they, they go out on, they go to school Monday through Friday, and then on Friday they go out to these remote villages and they set up clinics and they do health care on Saturday. And then guess what they do on Sunday? They have church services and they plant new churches. And so it seems like every 200, 300 yards in Papua New Guinea, there's a sign for the Church of the Nazarene. As I was there for their 50th anniversary, different speakers would come up. And time after time, uh, the, the natives from there would turn around, knowing I was a general superintendent, knowing I was there and would be coming back to the United States. They kept saying this to me, would you please go back and tell every Nazarene church in the United States, tell them thank you. Thank you for sending missionaries that told us about Jesus and our hearts and our lives have been changed for all eternity because of our missionaries telling us about Jesus. Would you go back and tell them thank you for sending doctors and nurses because not only did the missionaries take care of our souls spiritually, but our doctors and our wonderful surgeons, they've taken care of our bodies. That hospital sees something like 60,000 patients a year with a couple thousand surgeries every year. And they said, please go back and tell them for thank you for sending nurses and doctors and missionaries and teachers because they have literally changed the history of our country. So I come here today to, to tell you as a church, thank you. Thank you for any and every prayer you've prayed for missions in the Church of the Nazarene. Thank you for any offerings that you've given. One gentleman after first church service told me he'd been on like 16 working witness trips. Thank you for your investment in loving people that you will not meet until you get to heaven. Thank you for being a church that loves each other inside the church, loving your neighbors outside the church, but also loving the nations of the world. And I believe an exciting church is a church that is demonstrating the love of Jesus to one another, to people that haven't come to know Jesus, 
in the nations that desperately need to know about Jesus. But there's a third thing that I see here, and that is that they were a people that were driven by a common purpose. They were fulfilling the Great Commission. And those disciples knew that they could not do it in their own strength and their own power. They needed supernatural strength. And they needed supernatural power. And when the Holy Spirit came upon them, their lives were forever changed. And because of that, they were fulfilling the purpose for which Jesus had given them. And you as a church, even being here today, I've heard the heart of your pastor to seek and to save those that were lost. That's for Jesus' purpose. That you are a people that are driven by the core values of your faith and your family and your friendships and, and moving along, further along in your spiritual journey and development. And you know, Jesus is very concerned about that and he wants to help us to do that. He wants to fill us with his spirit so that through us, our world will come to know Jesus Christ. May 22nd, 2011 was a Sunday afternoon. Most of you don't remember 2011 that well, let alone May 22nd. But if you were from Joplin, Missouri, you'll never forget it. Because it was on that Sunday afternoon, May the 22nd, that an EF5 tornado, a mile wide, stayed on the ground and swept through that town of Joplin, Missouri. They said that there were wind speeds of 198 miles an hour. It's become one of the deadliest tornadoes in the history of the United States. 161 people died that Sunday in the tornado. I was in, responsible for the Joplin district in that year. And when I heard what had happened, I called a past, two pastors, one pastor's on the north side of Joplin, the other on the south. And I asked him, I said, how are you doing? How's the church doing? How are your people doing? Could I help you? Could I come down and preach for you next Sunday? And they both said, yeah, that would really be helpful. So Sharon and I drove down from Kansas City area where we live and drove down to Joplin. When we came in the north side of Joplin, it, it didn't look that bad. It looked like a bad windstorm. Tree branches were knocked over, broken off, and some trees knocked over. And so we preached at 930 in the one church on the north side. There were some people, one lady sitting down here with a broken leg. She was hiding in the interior closet, and the tornado took her whole house away, and she broke her leg, and, but everything else was all right with her. Other stories that we heard about God's miraculous intervention. Then after that service, we drove down through to the downtown area of Joplin. And, and quite honestly, I lived in Oklahoma. I've seen tornadoes. I've seen the damage. I've been in them. I, but I was not prepared for what I saw. It was the oddest thing because as we drove down, there was this Lutheran church. And the, the pews were still in place. And the hymnals were in the back of each pew. But yet the church building was gone. There's an apartment across from that, and, and the, the, the walls were gone, but yet the closets were there, and clothes were still hanging in the closet. It's strange. As we went down, we began to see some of the damage. This was one of the apartment complex in Joplin. That was before 
the tornado, and this was after the tornado. Another apartment complex was like this, and after the tornado, it was this. It was just total devastation as we went through there. You can see the trees and the house. This, these were houses that were there. See, in the background on the left is, is a hospital that they had there in Joplin's, like a seven, eight-story hospital. The tornado actually picked up the hospital, turned it, set its back down on its foundation. People were actually, patients were actually sucked out of windows. It was just unbelievable, the devastation. As they took us back, one of the pastors had a Red Cross badge, and we got to go back in to see some of these areas. I became very interested in Joplin and any story that came out of that tornado. I was home one night watching the evening news in Kansas City, and Joplin's only a couple hours away, and so I heard this story of a young man who was working as a gas station attendant. He's young in his 20s, but he suffered from a pretty severe case of MS, so walking was very difficult for him. But he was there that afternoon as a tornado was coming down. <clears throat> the wind was blowing so hard that it was sucking open the doors, and the doors were flopping, so he, he went over and he locked the doors, then went back to his place and was watching the weather and listening, and people would come to the door and knock, and, and he would go and make his way and unlock the door and let them in and put them in a back storage room, and, and he did that time after time as he walked back and forth letting people in. As the tornado was getting closer, they decided <coughs> it's not safe in the back room, so he moved them into the cooler, steel case cooler, and put the people in there. Someone began to film what was happening. And as he is about to close the, the door to the cooler, there was another knock, and he looked out, and there's a husband and wife at the door, banging on the door to get in. And he left the safety of that cooler, and he made his way and opened the door and let them in, locked the door, went back. And as he was closing the cooler door, the tornado hit and totally took away everything but that cooler. 20 people's lives were saved that day by his actions. They were interviewing him on the news, and the reporter, he didn't quite get it. He asked this question. He said, why would you do that? Why would you leave the safety of that cooler time after time and walk to the door and unlock it and let people in? And especially the last couple, when the tornado was bearing down and you risk your life one more time to let someone in, why would you do that? You know what his answer was? I had to. I had to. He, he said, how could, I, how could I ever manage to live with myself if I knew I was in the safety of the cooler and didn't go and let that last couple in 
and they perished, how could I ever live with myself? I had to. Why do we do what we do in church? I mean, why would you want to be a part of a life group? Why, why would you want to pray for your lost neighbor or work associate or family member? Why, why would you care about what's happening on the other side of the world? Why? Because we have already received so much from Jesus. We've already had our sins forgiven. We've already been guaranteed a place in heaven to be with him. We're, we're safe. But there's a whole bunch of people out there that don't know about Jesus, that are perishing without knowing him or receiving all that he has to give them. So why do we do what we do? We just have to. As the Apostle Paul says, it's Christ's love that compels us. And we who have received his love, may the Holy Spirit so fill our hearts with his love that his love will compel us to reach out to lost people, that his love will compel us to build a bridge of friendship with our neighbors or other people, to share Jesus' love with them. May it, his love, his spirit, so fill us that we will never be the same. And other people will come to know him because of our lives. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for each person here. We thank you for their lives. We thank you for their faithfulness to the church. We're thankful for how you're using them. We're thankful for the great things that are happening in the life of this church. And Lord, I believe that you haven't even really started yet what you want to do. There's so much more that you want to accomplish through the ministry and the life of, of this church. And I just pray your blessings upon a pastor and all the staff members, for all the workers, for those that volunteer, for the rec ministry, for preschool, for those that are involved in leading small groups. And Lord, I, I thank you for those that you are even raising up today that are really going to become prayer warriors for the ministry of this church. Lord, I pray for every small group leader, every life group leader, and for those that will be a part of the life groups, Lord, that you would use those groups for us to draw closer to you and closer to one another. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit that was poured out on those first disciples, Lord, help us to realize that same Holy Spirit you are available for each and every one of us today and that you will empower us. You will fill our hearts with your love. And so I pray, Lord, let the mighty tide of God rush in once again. And may the Holy Spirit lift this wonderful church to new heights of service and devotion and love. And may you use each and every person to help others come to know you. And for all that you have done, Lord, and all you're going to do, as we seek those who need to know you and your saving power, all that you're going to do, Lord, we thank you and we praise you. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Hey, thanks again for joining us for the first NAS podcast. 
If you're interested in what your next step in growing your relationship with God might look like, I'd encourage you to visit us at firstnaz.cc engage, or you can download our app from the App Store, First Nazarene Church. And there you can let us know if you've made a decision for Jesus, or you can also find practical resources to help you grow closer to Jesus. I'd also invite you to subscribe to the podcast if you're not already to make sure that you've always got the latest content. And if you want to, feel free to share this on your social accounts. You never know who else might need to hear today's message as well. Well, thanks again for joining us. Have a great day.